Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It Starts Now, the happy hour for finance and business. My name is Stanley. Um, I have a, a special guest today. I know this guy for quite some time right now, and I'm really excited to have him on board uh, and have a, a in-depth conversation because he has so much knowledge. His background is really interesting. He graduated from City College as economic and business major manager, sorry, worked for the banks, received the Series 663 and life insurance, then decided to leave the sector and pursue education. He works now for the DOE, teaching economics and finance classes, a world-class traveler. <laughs> He's been to Barcelona, Milan, Morocco, Grenada. I don't even know what's in Grenada. But his stamps just keep going and keep going. And now you can add developer because he's working on a project for the property. Please welcome Reza Khan. Did I boost you? Nah, that was good. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's good. Reza Khan. Um, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm, I'm excited to be here, man. This is great. Yeah. Uh, we happen to be in Buffalo. I'm going to just give a... Uh, quick insight we were in buffalo we were having a conversation we were outside and we got to talk about investment right and one of the things that he brought up and we were debating on what's a good investment whether it's like trading uh stock market or being a investor in the property and one one of the things that he said was interesting that I said, you know what? I would love to have you on the show and we can continue this debate because <laughs> it was really good. Uh, he mentioned that we haven't seen the ripple effect of the COVID-19 and what's to come. Right. And you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what we're seeing is the very early stage of the financial impact of COVID-19, right? Like we have people... <clears throat> So when when we talk about uh, economics, just to give a little background, we always talk about some like indicators, like leading indicators, lagging indicators, right? Mm -hmm. So you have indicators that tells us where the economy is headed. Leading one always tells us where we are going. Lagging one kind of confirms where we are. So, but even then, for for something like COVID nineteen, for for us to see and understand the complete uh, effect of it. It, it's not going to be now. It's not going to be in three months. It's going to be, you know, six months from now, a year from now, even even probably in like year and a half and two years, we will start seeing the impact because it is a ripple effect. For example, people who and it could it could go both both ways, positive or negative. Right. Mm -hmm. For example, um, people who are not currently working, um, they probably will burn through their savings. Right. And they're getting unemployment, but the income is not as much, right? It's, it's obviously not going to match their 100% income. So they will burn through savings. They will um, shop less. They will buy less, less expensive things. Mm -hmm. That will in return impact the decision of the producers, right? Um, before you could get away with making a $1,200 phone because people were making that kind of money. So mm -hmm. they will go for it. And going f going forward, they could even say like, you know what, let's do a fourteen hundred dollar phone or sixteen hundred dollar phone, sixteen hundred dollar phone. But now they will think twice about it. Like, do we really have that market anymore? 
right. can we come with a $1,400 phone and sustain the sales? So they will scale back. And obviously, when they were going for high-quality products or they were coming up with these 1,400 phones or they were selling a lot more, like, you know, before they were selling 5,000 phones, now they were selling 10,000 phones, 10,000 units. But with COVID, their sale will go down again. Yeah. So they won't produce as much. They won't grow as much. They won't r rent out a new uh, factory. They won't hire more people. So what happens? In returns, less people are getting jobs. The real estate prices will you know suffer right? right because you're you don't have all these companies looking to expand anymore mm -hmm. um and when that happens what happens people who used to work in construction developing these real real estate places they're not getting as much business um materials to develop this real estate you are not selling as much and if you're not selling that as much then those factories are not yeah. expanding. So you, you're just going to keep on going backward, backward. It's a ripple effect. That's what I meant. That, you know, and by the time, like we will start seeing, but to fully understand how much it impacted the economy, it will at least take uh, six months, year, and that's when we'll really understand how much we got hurt by it. Yeah. Um, you, you definitely see the economy there's going to be changes in the economy um but i still see people in line like there's long lines to buy jordans uh granted is like you said it's going to take anywhere between six months um to about a year uh but you still got that going on why isn't it that people not taking it as seriously or not projecting the future to say that I'm, i need to start saving or i need to do better investment i think that's in general just the just how we are the education um you know being res financially responsible right we don't we don't we it could it also could be that you were never in this situation before right true, so true. you don't understand what to do in this kind of situation like somebody who lived through the great depression or or another recession would understand like oh wow when there was a you know um the economy crash or there was a financial crisis this is what happened to me so now that another uh crash is coming or it's happening mm -hmm. let me be more concerned uh conservative right right so there are people who are but what you're saying is maybe a little younger generation or a generation that never seen this kind of economy or never been in this kind of situation where they understand that okay this is when i should cut back a little bit <clears throat> but it, 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 it's a double whammy, like a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. In situation like this, when people do tend to not spend or save, that uh, actually in return hurts the economy, yeah, right? Yeah, it does. Because if you, everyone just gets scared and you hold on to your money yeah. and you don't you don't go out and you don't spend, in, again, the ripple effect, because if you're not going out and to the restaurant and The economy's money, not growing. Right, the economy's not growing. And like the whole thing with this uh, stimulus check, it's called stimulus check for a reason. Stimulate. Because, yeah, to stimulate the economy. And the government gave us money so we would go out and spend and kind of like, you know, jumpstart the economy. But a lot of people, uh, on the hindsight, a lot of people were concerned, like, oh, maybe, let me, maybe I should save it. Right. Right. I, I don't know if you asked me that question, like if people should save that money or they should spend it or someone asked me that question, mm -hmm. like if, you know, government is giving this stimulus money, should we s spend it or should we actually save it not knowing what's to come? But if we all save the money, then it's not stimulating yeah. the economy. So I think that's what it is. Also, the other side is 
rich people who make so much money, for example, um, someone who's making, let's say, five, six million dollars a year. They're at a lifestyle where they, they're probably spending four or five hundred thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. in expenses. To them, if they're making five million, ten million or four million, if they're spending four or five hundred thousand dollars expense a year, they won't cut down their their behavior. Like their behavior won't change because six million, seven million really not it's going not to make a big a, difference. Yeah, it's not right. going to make a difference. So they will continue to spend the way they are spending. So you will see a certain group of people will continue to spend and certain group of people will cut down. Um, so, for example, teachers right right um we didn't see any reduction in income right we're, we're working from home and there are a lot of people like that who's working from home they didn't see any reduction in income but if you had um four people in a blue collar job and and now two people working because two people lost their job for a while they probably sustained their uh expenditure habit because they were giving getting the unemployment they were getting the extra 600 so they could have still sustained their lifestyle but once they stopped now a month or two months later when mm-hmm. the bank account will, is going to shrink they will think twice about spending so i think that's when you will see people kind of cutting back when the unemployment is kind of winding down when that second person is burning through their savings or they thought they would get a job again and they can't replace their job or that job is gone. Mm-hmm. A lot of industry job is gone, right? Like in in hotel industry, they're probably not expanding or they're not hiring. Yeah, that's true. Travel, air travel. Air travel, right. When we was in, um, we was in Buffalo, we were at a hotel. I don't want to say the brand name, but we we are accustomed to a, a certain style when we go in, right? right? right. A certain service right. when we go in, and uh, once we when we got there, because right. we're both members of the same right. hotel, right. and when we got there, uh, one of the things that they said we don't have daily house cleaning, right? Like you, right? That's something I, I, we haven't heard right. of it before. Was a sho- it was right? shocking. It was shocking, yeah. right? We don't have daily house cleaning that. You have to schedule a time for them to come right. in and, and clean. Right. So to your point, yeah, people are cutting back. Right. Um, even and, the breakfast. Yeah, even right? the breakfast. Like, right. Yeah. They were. They. Uh, it was shocking that a, ch- a hotel chain like that will provide that kind of breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> and and when we mean that kind of breakfast, like they gave us like a, a lack of better words, a doggy bag. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it was nothing. Uh, special about it and right. then you didn't have that many options it's like uh it was just one thing if you like it take it if you didn't yeah too bad and that was it yeah. um but I, I really i really want like i want to touch on the school thing but before then i just want to say for me i like to say for either an a rainy day mm-hmm. or i like to say for an opportunity right right um when there's uh a, a tragedy or when there's a pandemic or when there's an economy that's low, uh, even Warren Buffett, I think he was quoted for saying that when there's blood on the street, that's when you buy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right, so. Absolutely. Actually, I teach that to my kids, too. The best time to buy is it's, it's like it's like think about a, a T-shirt that costs hundred dollars and everyone wants it. Everyone wants it. That's the hype. Right. Like Tesla is the hype. Yeah. Um, if you buy it at hundred dollars, can't go any higher than that. Maybe 120, 130 if it means something more valuable. 
But if that T-shirt all of a sudden for one day goes on sale for like fifty dollars, yeah, that's your opportunity to make money, right? So there's two ways to make money from investment stock investment. One is the capital gain, mm-hmm. um, which is basically you buy low, you sell high. But the other way, if you do short sell, the other one is if you're just looking for the dividend, you buy a company that will pay you dividend, you hold it long enough and you start, you know, uh, getting the profit share. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, you're right. Like, yeah, but, you, was, but you don't think that stocks is a good investment right now. OK, so given given being, a, you know, in license in, in certain uh, like, you know, uh, Series 663, there were certain and working in a bank, there were certain things that were taught to. Like in order to do investment, like even right now, like when you look at the the way people are investing and a lot of the times the market is so volatile. And one of the things you will keep seeing people talking about is Robin Hood traders. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and the reason the market is so volatile is because of Robin Hood traders, because it's not making sense anymore. You have a company like Hertz going bankrupt, but their stock is still trading like 50 percent or sometimes even yeah, 100 yeah. percent more than the price what was the price the you know the last closing price mm-hmm. which is unheard of like why right right they filed bankruptcy the travel industry is still not you know um good enough to recoup from that kind of loss mm-hmm. but here you have uh, a company that you would expect uh, in a normal condition to delist it's thriving right right so and again, and that's like Robin Hood trading effect because you don't know. And and same thing with some of the other, um, there were like five or six stocks the whole during the whole BLM movement. Someone started, oh, buy black. Right. And, and then all of a sudden you have these companies that no one even heard of. All of a sudden, like CMB and, and there was another one, all of a sudden are going 300%, 400% skyrocketing. Right, right, right. You can't predict that kind of uh price mm-hmm. if somebody sat there and said oh yeah i knew that was going to go 400 percent." yeah i don't know if i would believe that <laughs> you know um but company like tesla or amazon or you know netflix like you could see like okay there's a company eventually it it, ha- it it there's promise right so they will grow you invest and you wait for them to grow into a big company and you cash out right that's the normal trading the overnight this whole mentality to get rich overnight i think it exists more in the robin hood traders you know they want to trade today mm-hmm. get rich tomorrow right, right? and and it, ma- it makes the market very volatile and going back to it you know i have a few friends like hey how's your day oh man don't like i almost died last week right like crazy what happened oh my stock was going down so much because uh, um, the other thing with Robinhood, to your point, yeah, um, the short sell. <clears throat> They're doing a lot of short sell. Yeah. And uh, that's dangerous because, you know, the when options. you buy low, yeah, it, it's predictable because you will sell when it goes high and you could control it. You right. sell it when it's high enough for you. Right. But with short sell, once it, it goes the other way, like if it keeps going higher and higher and higher, there's no way to come back from it right, unless right. you wait it out at f- that it comes back down again. Mm-hmm. Maybe then you could recoup your money, so it's it's very risky. It's riskier than long long hold, like long hold. But what I was saying is is and there was a, wasn't there a a, a student um, a young uh, individual who committed suicide because he oh, yeah, misunderstood yeah, yeah. Yeah. his Robin Hood. Um, mm-hmm. I think he did he lost option a, trade, right? Option trade and lost yeah. uh, a lot of money. Apologies, I don't know the exact yeah. uh, situation, but he no, I think 
it wasn't even true. I don't think he even lost it, but it, it was an unrealized, um, unrealized loss, yeah. right. and unrealized lost. So a loss. So and he committed suicide. So you see when you see that kind of thing, like you have to kind of take back and go back to what we we were taught when we were going to advise people in investment mm-hmm. that investment is not for everyone. First of all, yeah, right, yeah, and you have to understand your risk tolerance. That's another thing I was gonna say. You have to have a, some kind of stomach for it. Absolutely. Yeah, and and, and you have to know how much what your risk tolerance is. You got you have to know that, and and that's why it's important to have a number. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm okay with losing, and I tell this to friends. Like if I if I lend you money, I'm only lend you what I'm comfortable with losing. That you can never give it back, yeah. it will be okay. Yeah, it's, I still want it back. But <laughs> <laughs> right, saying, you want it back. It, it, I'm comfortable enough to say, okay, uh, I'm willing to lose this right, much. Right, right. And you have to, and that's the same thing with trading. You have Absolutely. to be comfortable with the the amount of money that you're willing to lose. So, And, and a lot of people don't have a percentage in mind, too, uh, because there's a certain, it's like playing, it's like going to the casino, right? You you start winning, but then you have to know at what number you're gonna walk away from, right? Because then you can lose everything, right? Right? If you don't have that number right. for you to say, okay, once I reach this number, I'm gonna walk away and be disciplined enough to walk away, right? Right. That's right. the other thing. But because you think like uh, everything is volatile, there's a risk factor. What do you? What would you suggest is a good investment in a time like this? No, I mean, don't get me wrong. The market was really great for investment. I myself invested, but I think like it took me a while to get back in in the market. The last time I was in the market when Washington Mutual filed bankruptcy, and I lost uh, like a lot of money in that yeah. one. And I I kind of like you know whatever I was taught, I it kind of made sense that you know you at work and you seeing these stock prices going down and if you can't stand there say like okay you know what i took this risk and i knew the risk i was taking and Mm -hmm. i i'm just going to lose this money there's nothing i can do about it at this moment that's when you know you're ready to invest invest. like are the money that you have is good for investment so what i'm trying to say is that you should invest but you got to make sure everything else is well put together before you have investable assets so basically like if i lose my job can i pay my rent for at least six months you know if i lose my job can i eat for six months you know do i have money for clothing do i have money for this do i have money for education and all that when all that's taken care of okay you know i have this extra five thousand dollar that i don't really have any need for i probably will need it in 10 years then you should it would be a great idea to invest and let your money grow because you don't want it to just sit at least you know with inflation and everything you want to recoup some of that great time to invest but if you are just starting out and you know all you have is a three thousand dollars that's all the savings you have you know and you are still kind of paycheck to paycheck and you're trying to put that three thousand dollars in in an investment that's when you're going to panic the moment it loses a little bit and the worst thing you can do is just panic when you know if the stock price is not going the way you predicted Pred- because yeah. it, again it's very hard to predict there are few people can predict few people get lucky and they say like oh yeah i predicted it right. you know um but you have to have that risk tolerance like okay if it goes the other way then i'll be okay or i could at least hold on to it until it comes back right so a lot of people will invest the next day it goes the other way than they pre- hoped or predicted they get all jittery and they want to cash out. They want to sell it because they think that, oh, let me sell it before I lose even more money. 
So that, that's the that's the emotional piece that some people don't have control over, mm-hmm. right? Because the the moment they feel like uh, to anxiety or anything that's that's too much pressure, right? They panic and make a, a panic decision. I got a mentor, and 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 the reason I'm bringing this, I got a mentor in in Florida, um, because his his foundation is so secure that um, not only has he has a a, a long yeah, his cushion is very long, right? He, he's able, he's very comfortable. So when the pandemic happened, there was no changes in his budget because hmm. everything remained the same for right. him, right? Uh, so when everybody else was going crazy, his lifestyle still remained the same. Right. hasn't changed because, right. number one, uh, not only that he has a, a, a good amount of cushion, hmm. right, but he still lives below his means, right? right? He, he doesn't really need much to survive. And because of that, uh, everything is just, I mean, he still splurged because don't get me wrong, because sometimes I'm like, this guy just bought something and like, you're, you're able to afford to start a new project for himself. Uh, even while things are going on, spending thousands, thousand dollars just to develop a personal project of his. But he could do that because he's put in that time and he has a cushion enough to say, all right, I I my lifestyle hasn't changed. I can still go ahead and do certain things. Um, but his investment started early. Right. If you have $3,000 to your point, I don't think that no one should just jump in. Yeah. Because now you're, you're not, it's not even a calculated risk. It's more like you're just gambling. Right. Right. And I don't think that's good. So I think that's, that's the issue. A lot of people and even my students, uh, a lot of the times they will come and, you know, they're barely 18 and they're, uh, they're always talking about investment and it's okay to invest. A l- if you have some extra money, you want to learn, you mm-hmm. want to get into it, you want to try it out. It, but, you know, the moment you start putting real money and, you know, all, that's all the money that you have so far, um, it, it's, it's not advisable to take that kind of risk right because there are other things that you have to do in life like you're going to miss out you lose three thousand dollars at three thousand dollars you could have bought a car and a lot of people say like you know maybe you don't need a car take in the you live in the city but some people wants to enjoy the car there right. you have parks so that's another thing i think everything so i'll give you an example some people will be like okay if you have a hundred thousand dollars don't buy a real estate mm-hmm. instead invest in a business or invest that that money make money for you but here's the thing you have $100,000. You put it in a business. The business gives you $2,000. And you use that $2,000 to pay rent. And you're like, see, now I don't have to pay out of pocket because my business it's is giving paying my for it. paying for it. That's true. But you will be paying $2,000 for the rest of your life, right? 30 years later, you're still paying rent. But if, if you were able to secure a property, and that, that's a, uh, we're yeah, talking we're about because like, you're, yeah. you're saying like, you know, is it really worth it? Yeah. My thing is like you pay. Well, be- before you get yeah. into that, my concern was, should I or is, does it make sense in this pandemic to place 30, 40 or even $50,000 into a property right now as a placeholder when I could use that money to hold on to that? Now, you don't know who's going to pay rent. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. Right. If there's going to be a downturn or even worse downturn to have your money uh, placed there. A valid question. And I, I actually was having this uh, discussion at work today, too. And and I think that's something a lot of people are wondering, like, if I have the money, do I you know, invest in a real estate? Because you don't know what's to come. 
and I, I think there are two different uh, two different um sides to real estate investment one is you are investing for an investment property right and the other one is you are spending the money for your own um property like uh, something that you will live in right right i think it's two different things like for example you are absolutely right if you already have a place um you know, or you are in, you live in New York City, two bedroom, and you're paying $900, which is like unheard of, right? Yeah. By all means, keep that. There's no reason to buy, you know, spend $100,000 down payment for a property that you're going to pay $2,000 mortgage and, and all that. If you have a $900 um, rental, two bedroom, maybe it's better to keep that right. and invest your money somewhere else. Or if you already have a property, mm-hmm where you're living in and you're paying your mortgage and stuff like that. And now you're wondering like, okay, I have a hundred thousand additional money. Should I, you know, does it make sense to buy another real estate investment? Because are they going to pay rent? Right. That was, that was what we were talking about. And that's a valid concern because during pandemic or, or whenever we have, you know, um, situation where people are losing jobs, one of the, one of the industry that will suffer, you know, is is real estate people are not, don't want to pay rent right? right how can they pay rent right. they don't have income they just lost income and especially people who are renting they live especially in places like new york city where your rent is like sometimes 80 90 like percent mortgage of your, yeah it's 80 90 yeah. percent off your paycheck the mm-hmm. biggest expense we have is rent mm-hmm. you spend three you make three thousand dollars a month you probably pay two thousand dollars just in rent Correct. right so when you are living paycheck to paycheck even if you lose one paycheck it impacts your your rent right so we do have issues like that in big cities, big expensive cities, whether people are going to pay rent or not. And then you have these laws where people could live in your property without paying rent for six months, seven months. Mm-hmm. By the time, you know, you could actually do something about it. So sometimes people will take advantage of that as well. Um, but and but more often it, it is because people just don't have the ability, even if they want to pay you rent, they mm-hmm. can't. And then it, it, it hurts the person who owns the property because they also have mortgage to pay and they pay mortgage when they get rent. So Correct. if they're not getting rent, they can't pay the mortgage. Correct. That's why, you know, in New York, there were a call for, you know, not only uh, rent freeze, but also asking banks to kind of put a pause on mortgage payment, too. So right. then the landlords are also not breathing down the tenant's neck like, OK, I need the money because I need to make my bill payment. Correct. So yeah, you're right. Should we invest in a in a real estate investment? Because then it's an investment. But what I was talking about is, you know, if you do have fifty thousand, that's all the money you have right now, fifty thousand dollars. You're renting, mm-hmm. right? No matter what, you have to rent. Okay, you could get away six months not paying rent, but then you're gonna have to go somewhere else. It shoots your credit. So then you're gonna it's going to be harder to get another apartment. So sometimes you probably want to pay rent on time you move to another apartment you still have to pay rent and once you move your most more most of the time the rent will increase it mm-hmm. never goes down right like if you're renting a two bedroom for 1800 you're you can't really find a two bedroom for 1500 right, right. Mm. it'll be 2000 so and the way rent is going going higher and higher the way it works out is the rent is will always be equal to the guy who owns it his mortgage payment 
Right, right. Right? If his mortgage payment is $4,000, he's not taking $3,000 from you. No. He will charge you $4,000 because he needs to make his mortgage payment. Right. So in reality, when you're renting, you are basically paying somebody else's mortgage. Right? True. So True. 30 years later, that guy will have a building that will be worth $800,000 and you helped him pay for it. And then he will continue to make rental income while you're continuing paying rent and nothing off your own. Right. So my point is that if that's all the money you have, yes, you could invest in, in investments and business and stuff like that, but you're still paying rent, right? And 30 years later, if you invested the money, so what we're talking about is if you invest the money to buy a, a property, mm-hmm. And instead of somebody pay, paying someone else's mortgage, you pay your own mortgage. Mm-hmm. And yes, it'll be this. Here's here's few things. Obviously, you you know if you're paying two thousand dollar rent, don't get a house that's four thousand dollar mortgage payment. Correct. That get, defeats the purpose. Right. That defeats the purpose. If your rent is two thousand dollars, try to get a similar apartment that's maybe the most twenty two hundred or twenty three hundred. Right. Mm-hmm. So your your payment is about the same. Right. And then a lot of people like a lot of people will say like, what if I can't pay? Well, what were you going to do if you couldn't pay rent? True. Right? Um, we will always find a way to live somewhere. Just yeah. like food and shelter. We need these two things mm-hmm. we need. Um, and if it really gets that bad where you can't pay, it's, yeah, you lose out your initial investment. Um, you could walk away. The bank will take over the property. So you lose your initial investment. But that's worst case scenario. So there is a way out. Yeah. It's not like there isn't. You, you got to figure it out. You got to figure out to find a way to make the payment, even if you have to go work for Uber right. or, or do whatever you right. need to do for the extra hours. Because right. uh, long term, right. right? you were looking at it long term, it'll pay out having to own your own property versus. Yeah, I th- that's why that sounds like I think the primary place you should definitely it should be i think it, it's a good definitely a good investment right yeah. you get your primary place you put down the fifty thousand dollars so you keep on paying rent um instead of rent you keep paying mortgage and 30 years later you have this property and a lot of and you will see like in in this country a lot of older generation suffers sometimes for the very same reason when you when you depend on social security and pension stuff like that you take majority of that and if you're still renting you pay rent then you don't have any money left over for anything else but when you are you know 60 years old if you have a place even if it's one bedroom two bedroom you have a place that's fully paid off by that time Mm -hmm. then you could rely on social security even if you get two thousand dollars social security or fifteen hundred dollars or twelve hundred dollars you could survive right a lot of the times people say certain things and they they think it applies to everyone. Right. But nothing applies to everyone. Like you, everyone's situation is different. You have to Correct. understand your own ability. You have to understand your own, you know, financial situation where you are. Mm-hmm. You have to understand also what's important to you. Right. Some people may be okay paying rent for the rest of their life um, because they don't want to be settled down in one place. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to settle down when they have a family right. um, because they don't want to get a small apartment. They want a big house. And that's okay, right? We're not talking about everyone should. There's no, like, you know, one for all. There's no, like, you graduate, you save a little bit of money, you buy an apartment, and everyone should just follow that step. It, that's not yeah. correct. Everyone's situation is different. Correct. Some people may want to live in New York City for, uh, for six, uh, six years and move to California, live there for two years, 
if that's the case, then buying a property may not be the right thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you buy a property first few years, you are only paying interest. You don't really build that much equity unless the property value goes up. Correct. And I think people miss that point. They don't realize that you don't start hitting the principal right. until later. Right, because it's like a bell curve. The first one is like, you know, if you make a $2,000 payment, like $5, I'm ex exaggerating, yeah. but like only $5 going towards your principal. Correct. You're paying the rest $1,995 to the bank and they're taking their interest. It's only later down the road where the principal, you hit principal more than the interest. So mm -hmm. obviously, if you're going to buy a property and sell it in, in five, six years and you know this market, your capital capital is not going to like the you know it's not going to be that much capital gain then you're actually losing money right Correct. so you wouldn't buy so that's what i'm saying like situation is different everyone's situation is different but we're what we're talking about is someone um you know you graduated you're you're young you have the money you have about 50 60 thousand dollars you know you're looking to stay in an apartment for at least 10 years 15 years you know should you rent um, or should you invest that money? To me, you know, if you're paying your rent and you could get an apartment with $60,000, that would be the same as your rental. Mm -hmm. And it's a place like New York City where real estate is only going up. Yeah. To me, it's a much better investment uh, and a safer investment because you control the narrative of this investment um, to get an apartment. So I, I have a coworker, for example, um, she was, you know, I have two coworkers. One mm -hmm. is young right now and mm -hmm. we're debating whether she should buy an apartment or not. And right. there's, you know, uh, someone was saying that, no, you know, may, it may not be once you save your money. I just told the other coworker that they should sell their apartment and go buy a house now. My thing was like, hold on. You told one of the coworkers who has an apartment to sell the apartment cash out and buy a house. Yeah. She wouldn't be able to do that if she never bought an apartment when she was young enough, right? Because when she was young, she invested whatever money she had to buy this apartment. Over the past 15 years, her apartment grew in equity mm -hmm. and she paid down. So not only because she paid money, it built equity, but also the price of the apartment. She bought it for less than 125. Now that apartment costs 225. Mm -hmm. So you have that 100,000 capital gain, right? Mm -hmm. And you real estate gain. And then you have the payments that you are making. So now you are able to sell the apartment cash out the equity and go put a down payment for a house. Right. Imagine if she was renting this whole time. She wouldn't be able to do she it. She wouldn't be able to. Yeah. And the money wasn't saving because mm -hmm. whatever you're making, you're paying rent. And right. That's the thing. It's like every every money you make, you pay rent. Every money you make, you pay rent. You're paying $2,000 rent, $3,000 rent every month. How are you supposed to save for a house? So this is a nice way to build equity because instead of paying rent, you are paying for your own property. You're building equity that way. Plus, if there's a price of the real estate is going high, you make some money out of that. Now she's in a position to sell this apartment, cash out on the hundred. 50,000, 200,000, take that money, put in a down payment, mm -hmm. match the similar mortgage payment for her house and upgrade. Yeah. Right? And that so basically she, she, she has more, now she has more leverage, right? Because she has the money, but now she has more money saved back into the same um, bracket when it came to the, the, the monthly payment. Right. Right. So she's really continuing, but now she has a, bu a, a, a bigger a pot. And a bigger pot. Yeah. Um, and, and and this is the same thing with, uh, I'll give you another example. Um, someone bought a house in 2019, 2009 
for five hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know that house is now in two thousand nineteen is worth a million dollars, right? You don't have to live in a million dollar house. You know you could now cash out, right? Take the million dollar, pay off your entire mortgage, and still have about three hundred thousand dollar left over or four hundred thousand dollar left over to buy a house mortgage free, right? You wouldn't have been able to do that if you're renting this whole time. So it gives you more leverage. And and the reason I'm saying that it again, it all depends on where in life you are, right? And what you're capable of. And what you're capable of doing. Because honestly, the monthly payment is not that much. Mm-mm. Um if you take out a 500 th- right now the and that's what we're talking about like is this a good time? I think yeah. this is a very good time. Cuz the interest rates are low. The interest rate is so low. Uh a 30 year you could get around 2.5 2.9. The payment would come out about $2000 to $2500, right? On a 500,000 550,000 mm-hmm. loan. And in New York City if you get a house for $500,000 now it's safe to say that that house will be at least worth, you know, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars ten years from now, fifteen years from now, right? So, it's a nice way to borrow money from bank at a cheaper rate and build equity mm-hmm. and have a savings that you would have otherwise be paying some for someone else anyway, right? Right. right? So if you and and this is where this is where I meant like don't don't try to take more responsibility than you would have. Stay within your budget. If your rent was two thousand dollars, try to get a place that the payment mortgage payment would also be two thousand dollars. Right. And you know build that equity, and anything you could save on top of that is extra savings. And when you're ready to upgrade and move on, you could cash you out, cash out on and it. and on it. So. Now, if you already have a property, um, you have a good savings to take you at least six months, and then you still have money left over, by all means, get into the stock market. Um, and you will be a, a better investor when you have your house in order, when you have a roof over your head, mm-hmm. when you have food on the table, when you know that you have six months worth of money to like take last you. Then you have $20,000, $50,000 that you put in a stock market, the market is not doing good or it goes low, you you will have the stomach to kind of ride it through. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, because that's not that's not everything to you. Right. 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 So, for example, a lot of people were panicking when the stock market was going down and you never know when it's the bottom. No, that's one thing you never know. You never know when it's the bottom. Yeah. You only know when it's the bottom by the time it's too late when the stock market is, keep, yeah. is coming back up. Well, prior to the split with, with Tesla, Tesla, um, I remember we was at 18, it was at nine, it, it dropped down to, I believe it was like nine twenty or something like that. And I was watching it and I said, oh, I think it's going to go lower. <laughs> and I waited the next day. It's going to go lower. Yeah. And the day after that, it just jumped and it just kept jumping all the way to, it got to like 2000 and plus, And then they did the split. But to your point, you never know what the bottom is. When you, you, you think you could time it, right? But you you, you can't. can't. You can't really time it. I mean, you could call certain things, and these are the people's their best in the industry. You could call like, okay, there's a pandemic coming, and you could kind of predict, okay, if it comes to, 
you know, the United States, it will impact the travel industry, it will impact positively the food industry, mm-hmm. like supermarkets and stuff like that, because people will stay home, they will buy, they will go to the supermarket, they will shop more. It will impact negatively the restaurant industry, it will impact negatively the travel, air, you know, the uh, car rental, hotel, that kind of industry. But it will also impact positively, like, you know, Netflix, because people are staying home. They will stream more, right. like Zoom, Zoom um, DoorDash, you know, Postmates, yeah. Grub- Grubhub, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those things will right. strive. So you could you could kind of make that kind of decisions, right? right. Like, yeah, and, and prediction. <laughs> like Amazon and Walmart. Right, Amazon and Walmart, people will shop more, mm-hmm. right? So you could, like, toilet paper. Right. Not that it's going to be a scarce, but, like, you know that people... Um, when they stay home more, they're using residential grade toilet paper more at, at home. Right, 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 right. Because now you're not eight hours at work because majority of the time you have your lunch, you do your bathroom and like your yeah, private yeah, things. Yeah. In the, and it was actually interesting because a lot of the office supplies suffered because people weren't buying office supplies, gen- janitorial supplies as much because Correct. no one was using their restroom. Mm-hmm. No one is using the coffee room. Mm-hmm. So people buying more residential grade. Right. So the dynamic will shift. So you could make that kind of, you know, assumption, prediction and invest. Those are OK. But you never know how low is going to go or when it comes high, you don't know if this is the high, highest or not. Yeah. So that kind of thing, um, no one can predict. So you have to write it out. Right. Yeah. People who were at, you know, this pre-COVID, you were at a high and you thought you were good. And all of a sudden it, it dropped thousand points two thousand points you will panic if all you had was twenty thousand dollars and all the money in the stock market yeah that's true you're gonna get cold Mm -hmm. feet you're gonna be like oh my god i thought this was the lowest but it keeps going lower and you might want to sell it because you think you don't want to you at that point you think you're minimizing minimizing your loss Mm -hmm. right like okay let me let me take a loss let Let me me take take off let me take a hundred dollar loss then two hundred dollar loss later right so you try to get out and a lot of people got out like that Mm -hmm. right and look what Four or five months later, the stock market is back yeah. to pre-COVID. Uh, but I, uh, I think that the, the stock market constantly tries to correct itself. Of course. And the problem is, um, you 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 don't know where it's at the point where it's either gonna be a bubble, right, and and, and it's gonna uh, pop, or if it's it's gonna finally correct itself and then just continue to shoot up, right. Like and and that's the thing to your to what you were trying to say, you can't predict that. That's right. not something you can p- predict, but you know that that's a possibility. Right. Possibility this could be a bubble and then it busts. Right. Or it could just automatically correct itself and then it starts taking off from there. Yeah. And if you look at, you know, the historical price of the stock market, yeah, it crashes. But overall in the United States, we are on a, you know, uh, we are only going up. Yeah. Even with the the declines and the downs and the stock market crash, historically we are only climbing up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, eventually it will climb up. You just gotta have the stomach and and to and ride the wave and ride away. And then th- then also obviously your you know portfolio diversification, your asset allocation, all that comes into play. If you're investing in one industry, don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's a very you know common saying in in, in investment. Mm-hmm. You have to diversify your portfolio. So make sure that you know 
and that's where stock investment is good but my would be like you know index fund could be even better for someone with that kind of small money mm-hmm. small amount of money because the best way to diversify is you know through mutual funds or index funds that, because you're basically getting a small bites of the whole stock market rather than relying only one or two companies correct you know so you, there are ways to invest mm-hmm. uh, and there are ways to stay safe and I think a lot of people don't explore that option because they have that get rich quick mentality. Mentality, yeah. Um, and and that's when they get into trouble. Yeah. You know, hey, if you have a, you know, two thousand dollars and you're ready to gamble, because at the end of the day, let's call it what it is, it is a gamble. It's a gamble. And yeah. you know, you you think you know, you you are able to call the shot that yes. This company, I have a good feeling it's going to do really good. And I think if you do your research, right, um, things will work out. Um, but you, you definitely got to do your research. Right. And everything like yeah, you, you have to yeah. be an educated investor. I think that's my that's, point. That's, that's, that's my point. point. Yeah. That's very important. Um, I, I, don't, I don't mean to cut short. I just, in the beginning, I asked you about, I mean, I made the introduction saying, about your qualification and that you had a series 663 um can you touch on touch base on yeah that? it's basically um it, these are licenses that you have to get um anytime you make any kind of recommendations or uh, you advise clients on investments so there are like series seven, six, sixty-three. These are licenses usually um, are done by like financial advisors, bankers in banking industries, stockbrokers. Um, there's um, few licenses are common, and then there are few specific to like if you're a stockbroker versus if you're a banker. So you mm-hmm. take out these licenses. They're basically like any. Um, any like licenses for anything it's it's through sec which basically the agency is kind of in charge to oversee stockbrokers and investors and advisors um and you have to follow certain guidelines like you can't uh, invest on your own um for your for yourself while you are at work because you have to look out for clients money first Uh, before you give any kind of financial advice, you have to make sure you look at their entire p- uh, portfolio, their profile, ask them about their risk tolerance, mm-hmm. figure out and then make educated uh, advices. Things like that is basically all these things r- are regulated. And in order for you to be educated and to understand, you know, what kind of advisements you should be making, y- you need that education background. So these are like courses you take, you study for it, you s- take a written da- a written test mm-hmm. and you have to pass these tests. And once you pass it, you get those licenses. So that's that's what it is. And that's what you know, that's why I was saying earlier that it's very different when you are licensed. You can't just make you know, recommendations and advice like, oh, invest in this or invest that, invest this. You really have to understand. And I think that kind of opened up my eyes towards, you know, being a better investor. It's like understanding your risk tolerance, understanding what investable asset is, understanding that you do need to take care of your own self first, like before everything, making sure that you have a house, your income search stable, Mm -hmm. that you know, you have, you know, at least six months money saved up to at least take care of yourself for six months so you don't get to that kind of, you know, financial trouble. 
and the money that you are investing is something that will allow you to invest and write out if there are any sudden unpredictable downturn of the economy and right. things like that. So right. you could, you could, you know, um, like if like one of the things we would ask clients, like, what is this money saved for? And if they say, oh, like, oh, I want to buy a house with mm -hmm. this money. We don't want to touch that money. Right? right. Because today the market is hot. The houses are a million dollars. You can buy it. But what if tomorrow something happens and house prices are five hundred thousand dollars and you want to take advantage of that? Right. But if your money is stuck in the market, the market. Yeah. you don't have that money to make that kind of decisions. And so. Again, I'm not saying real estate investment is a better investment than stock market, but you have to understand what you value, right? For some real having own home is much more than just an investment. Having your own home, it's about, you know, accomplishment. Having your own home, it's about a place, a safe place to stay and call it home and, and a permanent address and have your family grow there, building memories. So it's right. a little bit more than just investment. Yeah. Right. So if that's priority and that's what you want to do, then that's completely okay. Yeah. So that's that's what this license is for. Yeah. Um, now, with because that's that that's an, an extensive background when it comes to like when you have all these uh knowledge and experience and you decide to say you know I'm, I'm 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 through with it i'm through with the banking i'm through with the financial sector uh i'm gonna make a jump into the department of education yeah like to me that's left right like that's far left from what a norm normal yeah because uh, usually when you leave a financial sector, you try to go something within that field or you go and you still go into that, that, that business field. But nobody that I know transitioned and said, you know, I'm just going to go into education. Yeah, I think, you know, um, a lot of times we we study certain things, right? Like we, uh, like I went to school. First, I went to school for engineering and yeah. After a semester or two, it wasn't my thing. So I did economics and business management. And when I was doing economics, it's very hard to tell what do you want to do with economics major, right? Like, um, so I got into banking. Um, and then when I did banking, and I was I was doing quite well. Like first year, you know, I was the top banker in, in my market. And then I got promoted within a year to become a sales manager. And then another year, I became a, the branch manager and it was it was going really well and it was definitely a pay cut when i went through education but i think at the end of the day you know having a job that you look forward to going you know every monday and mm -hmm. and you don't look forward to fridays yeah, and yeah, yeah. outweighs the money that you make and like i love teaching and i love going to work you know i yeah. look forward to going to work and to me yeah i'm making less money but uh, I, I think it's a good trade-off when you are happier going to work. To work. <laughs> yeah, like you enjoy what you do. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And I think um, that's what we should all focus on. You got to... And it doesn't have to be teaching. It could be anything. And there are people. Like, even when I was a manager in, in banking and I would, like, you know, coach my bankers and stuff like that. And I would sometimes say, listen, no one is, you know, you are not a bad person. It just might not be the right job for you. Right, right, right. right? Um, you could be bad at one thing, but great at something else yeah. because you're just, you're just, you're just at the wrong place with, with the right skills. You're in the wrong place. Yeah. I believe, you know? um, I think his name is Jim Collins. I believe that's the author's name. He wrote the book, uh, good to great. And one of the things he said in the good to great book, there's some people that may be on the bus, but on the wrong seat. Right. 
right? Yeah, right. It's yeah. like first you got to get them on the bus, get right. the right people on the bus, right. but then you got to figure out are they in the right, right seat. seat, right? So, Absolutely, that's yeah. very very uh, nicely put. Um, in in the classroom too, like sometimes they're in the right classroom but in the wrong seat, and it yeah. makes a huge difference. Yeah, that's key. What you said about the kids being when you have the right kid in the right seat um, makes a big difference in yeah, the classroom. It, it definitely makes a difference. And I, you know, and what you're saying, people being in, in the bus and the right seat and that kind of just, you know, um, made me think about my classroom as well. And it, it makes it, it's true, you know, even though they're all in the same classroom, sometimes the seat makes such a big difference. Right. right. Like uh, I, I, and I seen, I seen student react differently when they're, in you know let's say front right versus back left right back right you know um sometimes even their personality change change right the way they interact with you and people near them people next to them like they even influence the way they behave right so yeah so many factors um so that was an interesting point and just wanted to mention that i I just have one final question before we um wrap things up because this is great um do you see because when i was when i was going to school I, I, we didn't have no economic class right right uh do you see the kids today are more interested in investing than in the past now it might be a little biased opinion because okay. for example i you know because of the course that i teach it's an elective so kids who sign up, they kind of have interest in these uh, fields and in investment and stocks. So mm-hmm. the kids that I see that they are definitely more interested in investment and learning about stocks, you know, male, female, both right. equally. Um, and, and to me, it's like, oh, wow, these kids are definitely more interested. And it also could be that because I'm getting the kids who are interested to begin with. Right, you know? right, right. Um, but I do think that overall kids are a little bit more aware of investments uh kids are a little bit more aware of being an entrepreneur um kids are more aware of you know uh, resources that are available like for example a lot of robin hood are young traders mm-hmm. right and it's possible because back in the days you know you couldn't um, invest or the investment platforms weren't that accessible right. you had to have a lot of money or if you didn't they charge you like $10 per trade mm-hmm. now you have all these great apps all these platforms that allow you free trading you know so you could start with $500 and not have to worry about paying $20 in commission right. you know so and then um, you have all these great um, websites these apps people are always talking about it schools are talking about it and and then I think we are also in that culture, right? Like right. Um, when we talk about Tesla, right? Tesla is not just about car. No. When we talk about Tesla, we uh, a p- big part of it is how Tesla grew from nothing to this, yeah. you know, thousand yeah. dollar <laughs> share. Just right? like just like Apple, right? Like we in a generation where Apple is like a cult, right? Yeah. Everybody is either you uh, Apple or. It, you know, we argue. We say like these androids don't want, <laughs> don't want to buy into the Apple yeah. culture, <laughs> but the reality is, uh, it is either you Apple or you against everybody else. Right, right. So, and I th- and that's 
that's what I was saying is that, but it's more than just the company now. Right. It's not when you think about Apple. It's not just what Apple products they make, but we think about how this company grew right. and what this company is about. When we talk about Tesla, again, it's not just about Tesla making cars. And I think we more talk about how Tesla share just grew so much. Right. 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 Um, same thing with Facebook and Instagram, and Snapchat. Like we we're always talking about IPOs. We we're talking about how the share prices are are like this whole you know tech shares how they are changing the game of stock trading mm -hmm. and i think the kids are catching up to it and also same thing with the uh, being an entrepreneur they see everyone is kind of like it's all about making money right it's not back in back in the days people wouldn't kind of flaunt about it but you have like this kim kardashian family it's all about kind of the culture all started about being um someone on social media so you could make a living out of it. Right, 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 right. So that's why you see younger crowds are getting into all these videos or they will try to do something, um, you know, digital creator, brand ambassador, or this and that. Yeah, Everyone yeah, yeah. is trying to be an entrepreneur, which is great. Right. You know, which is great. So I think the culture changed, definitely. Right. And I think to your to answer your question, kids are more aware. Kids are more interested in investment and being an entrepreneur, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, I just want to say thank you. Um, it was glad to have you. It, it was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. I, yeah. I, we talked about some great things. Yeah, it, it was definitely a process today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the things is I just want to let people know that uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship, uh, a lot of people think it's just about running a company. But I, I, in my opinion, financial um, entrepreneurship is financial freedom. And if you can manage and operate the finances of your life, then you'll be better off than you have financial freedom. And to me, that's like a, another sense of being an entrepreneur. Uh, 